It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy, of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on. Must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 808 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, October the 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. All right, on today's show, it's just me going solo, and we are going to rattle through a bunch of guys to close out our 2019-20 season in review series. Uh, you know, we're not going to spend entire episodes talking about O'Shea Brissett or Paul Watson Jr., but we can rattle through them in one episode and kind of take a look at what their season was. And more importantly, I think for guys like that, what next season is going to look like for them. So we'll get to that in segments two and three. We'll talk about Brissett, Watson, Dewan Hernandez, also Patrick McCaw, Stanley Johnson, two guys who uh, will be on the team next season, despite, I think, a lot of the best wishes of a lot of people 
who care about the team. We'll get to them at the end of the show, too. But first, we should probably start out with some news that came down on Tuesday. First of all, sorry there was no Tuesday episode. Schedule got kind of out of hand, and there was no time for me to record a show. Um, But we're back here today, obviously. And since last we spoke, Nate Bjorkren, the assistant coach from the Raptors, has been hired by the Indiana Pacers in a bit of a surprise move to be their head coach. Obviously, Bjorkren was a right-hand man of Nick Nurse, one of the best friends of Nick Nurse. They go back a long time, as Nick Nurse pointed out yesterday in his little statement through the Raptors. 30 years he and Nate Bjorken have known each other. He coached him uh, back when Bjorken was like 19 years old <laughs> playing college basketball. Uh, and obviously they've grown up together. They, Bjorken spent a lot of time in the G League, same as Nick Nurse, and was a pretty natural choice, it seemed, when Nurse got the job to come and join Nurse on, uh, on the bench in Toronto. And look, it's not really smart to go and like assume what coaches do because we don't really know what coaches do assistant coaches in particular everyone kind of has their own delegated responsibilities the word is that Bjorkman is a development guy first and foremost which is good I suppose if you're the Pacers you have some youngish pieces there you want to develop you might be going into a deep rebuild if you have to move on from Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner if they are actually disgruntled with being there and you could do worse I guess and obviously there's the championship pedigree that Nate Bjorkman brings as well and he you know seems to be part of the very creative Nick Nurse coaching tree which is starting to sprout which is very fun and cool and I would assume a lot of the philosophies that Nick Nurse has about sort of being flexible and you know changing things up on the fly and trying new things and being bold and outside the box I would assume that stuff that Nate Bjorken will bring to the Pacers, but it's also hard, right? I mean, there was always the assumption before Nick Nurse was hired that he would kind of follow the same, you know, Dwayne Casey path of coaching just because he was his underling for five years, and that proved to be very wrong. Everyone has their own different set of philosophies and the ways that they want to run a team, and obviously different person-to-person skills in the head coach position. So we don't really know how Nate Bjorken is going to hold up there, but... Overall, it's a very nice thing for the Toronto Raptors to have someone who is as highly regarded as Bjorkren get a job coaching an NBA team, one of a precious few jobs that were left in the NBA. You know, there's certainly, I think, a conversation to be had about the lack of black assistant coaches who've been hired around the league this year. Um, you know, we've seen some retreads and things like that hired, Doc Rivers, uh, Ty Lue, and what have you. But, you know, when it comes to the guys like David Vanterpool and Wes Unsell Jr. and Steven Silas, those guys all seem to be shut out despite it being a very highly touted uh, class of assistant coaches this year. Bjorkman gets the job in Indiana. And obviously, you know, this comes down to, you know, franchise preference and everything like that. And it comes down to how the interviews go and how, um, you know, the plan looks for the future. But, you know, that that's certainly a, con- a part of this conversation that should not go untouched. But still, that doesn't take away from the great accomplishment this is for Nate Bjorkman and the very good light this sheds on the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are now a team that just gets people poached every single year, whether it's assistant coaches joining other staffs to take higher roles, whether it's Jeff Weltman uh, being the GM and getting the job to run the whole show down in Orlando. You know, there's a lot of different uh, people the Raptors have had poached. Obviously, there's constantly vultures circling around Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri, and I'm sure there will be more assistant coaches that are hired for the Raptors going forward. I mean, Adrian Griffin was before the uh, domestic abuse 
sort of conversation that that popped up and then mysteriously went away very quickly after the Raptors said no he didn't do it um, you know still not totally satisfied with the outcome there um, you know he was in the conversation for like the Bulls job and things like that as well when you're a good team and you have a lot of success you are going to end up having guys poached and yes it sucks in the time and it might actually sort of tangibly affect the team in the following season but I think for the most part, you know, assistant coaches, I don't want to say they're like interchangeable or replaceable necessarily, but, you know, they all kind of have their own little, you know, niches within the staff. And ultimately, it's the head coach that kind of passes down those those directives. And I feel like Nick Nurse will find someone who matches his sensibilities the way Bjorkren did, and it won't be too big an issue. So congrats to Nate Bjorkren. Very cool for him. Uh, and we'll see how he sort of manages that Pacers team, a Pacers team that, is kind of stuck in the past, still running a two-big-man lineup, still taking a million mid-range jumpers, still sort of stuck in the mud when it comes to evolution and taking three-pointers and things like that. I would imagine Nate Bjorkren will uh, certainly adjust that, but I'm kind of fascinated to see how he sort of implements what the Raptors have done defensively in Indiana because that's a team that has a lot of defensive talent. If Victor Oladipo can get back to something resembling his full form a Brogdon Oladipo backcourt is kind of monstrous defensively you've got yeah yeah TJ Warren's not great but then you slide down you know DeMontis Sabonis not the quickest dude in the world but he's quite tough he's quite strong he can kind of hang in the post he can guard you know similarly sized guys quite well and then Miles Turner is an absolute terror defensively and I'm curious to see how Nate Bjorkman is going to unleash all of those different defensive weapons um, for a team that's been very good defensively the last couple of seasons so uh, again, very cool for Bjorkren, very cool for the Raptors to have yet another person poached for a high-profile job within the NBA. It's not going to be the last, I can tell you that for sure, and it's just nice that the Raptors have Nick Nurse locked up on that contract extension because uh, there's no way the Vultures weren't going to circle over him as well if he was a lame duck going into the season. That was never going to happen, I don't think, anyway. Uh, so that's my thoughts on Bjorkren. Good stuff. Uh, I'm going to be on locked on Pacers later this week with Tony East to talk about Bjorkren a little bit more. Again, Again, it's hard to really tell. It, you know, it's still a wait and see. All you can do is kind of assume and infer, and you never really know what a guy is going to be in that head coaching job once he gets it, and you know how they're going to manage the person to person and manage a tough situation in Indiana in particular with Oladipo potentially being possibly soured on being in Indiana period so um, lots of challenges ahead for Bjorkren but again more than anything this is just another symbol of how damn good the Raptors are at finding and cultivating talent not just on the floor but in the front office and on the sidelines as well so a good day for the Raptors overall. With that, let's move on into our season reviews for the end of bench guys to wrap up that side of the uh, of the series we've been going through the last few weeks here. But first, I want to tell everybody about rockauto.com. Man, rockauto.com is so, so great, especially for an idiot when it comes to cars like me. Uh, I don't know anything about cars. I don't know what things are supposed to cost. I just assume things are always supposed to cost the most money possible because that's what the mechanic says that they cost. But that is not true. And rockauto.com is here to prove it. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your class or your daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate seriously you just pull up 
the site, you put in your car, year, make, model, all that stuff, and all of the parts that you need, you can you know divide by what section of the car you need the part for. It's just very, very intuitive. It takes two seconds to find the part that you need, and it's going to be at the brand specification and price that you prefer as well. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why would you spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, which you know by now, Built Bars are the best tasting protein bar ever, and they have six new flavors joining the brigade of 12 original excellent flavors to uh, appease your taste buds going forward as well. They've got among those six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And again, those original flavors include my all-time favorite toffee almond, as well as some other favorites like peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, and mint brownie. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew, and they're great for the health-conscious person as well. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for keto diets as well. I had a Built Bar yesterday before going for a bike ride, because I don't want to bog myself down with a big meal. Have a Built Bar, I get the energy I need to go, and I don't feel like I'm going to pass out because my stomach is full of like a sandwich or something while I'm riding the bike. It's all about the Built Bar, baby. And right now, when you go to BuiltBar.com, you can get 20% off of your next order as well as a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Promo code locked on for 20% off your next order. Again, promo code locked on. 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, it's time to round out our set of season reviews for the guys at the back part of the Toronto Raptors bench. I'm going to start off with guys who I think will be on the team next season, and not just on the team, but like you're excited to have them on the team. A lot of these guys will be around next year just because they are, you know, they have cheap guarantees or whatever it's going to be, or they're locked in on contracts. But uh, I, I think a few of them you're actually like encouraged and intrigued by them being on the team long term whereas a couple other guys you're just like eh I could take or leave um we so in this segment we'll talk about Paul Watson Dewan Hernandez and O'Shea Brissett and then we'll wrap up with a chat about Stanley Johnson Patrick McCaw and Malcolm Miller who I uh, erroneously forgot to mention off the top he's still part of this team an NBA champion of course uh, and we'll get to Malcolm Miller in that final part of the show uh, in terms of Hernandez, Watson, and Brissett, I'm going to do this in the order of the guys I'm most excited for. And to me, the one that I'm most excited for is O'Shea Brissett. It's not the passport thing. It's nice that he's a Canadian. That's cool. I don't care about that. I care about his extremely switchable defense and the fact that when he played this season, he kind of assumed a really nice low usage role. It wasn't a ton of games, obviously. He really got most of his run during that time where Siakam, Powell, and Gasol were all out of the lineup from late December into mid-January. And he didn't play a ton after that. He barely played in the bubble at all. I don't think he played in the bubble at all. He got hurt and had to leave the bubble. Um, but I think Brissett, you know, just the defense he offers, it's just really stout. He can switch, I think, 
two through five, maybe? Like, he's like six eight, six nine. He's pretty big. He can kind of go across the spectrum, especially as most teams kind of scale down their bigs. You know, I feel like Brissett could have been at home, for example, in spot minutes in the Celtics series up against a Daniel Tice, for example, or even like a Robert Williams with that athleticism that, you know, Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka couldn't really match. I think Brissett could kind of offer that. Obviously, for Brissett, the defense seems like it's going to be there. It seems like that should only continue to develop, and I like it a lot. The offense is where you're a little less sure, right? I mean, he it's hard to say. He didn't have a ton to do offensively in the NBA this season. He only you know averaged 1.9 points a game over his 19 appearances, a lot of garbage time in there, shot just 20% on threes. But his G League numbers were kind of intriguing because they really kind of changed the way he was used in the G League. He, you know, he was a lot of the time what they'll do in the G League is sort of use guys in the way that they would be used in the NBA. So for example, Malcolm Miller, as much as he, you know, is more talented in the G League, he still basically is used as a catch and shoot guy, which is what his role in the NBA is. With Brissett, that was not the case as they kind of put the ball in his hands and asked him to go to work quite a bit. In the G League this year, uh, he started 21 of 30 games he played. He averaged 15 points a game, 6.6 boards, 1.6 assists, just shy of a steal and a block per game as well. Uh, Shot 50% from the field, 27% from three, which again, you know, if he is going to really carve out a niche in the NBA, getting that three-point shooting up to like 35% is going to be very necessary because... You just can't have non-shooters out there or the number of non-shooters you have sort of every person out there who can't shoot is going to affect your overall offensive effectiveness. And I think the Raptors the last couple of seasons have been so good because they basically have had shooting at every position on the floor at all times. And Brissett will obviously cut into that if he is not going to figure out that three-point shooting. But... I do think the sort of throwing him to the fire in the G League this year will probably help him uh, just in terms of his skill development. And what, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy you want with the ball in his hands in the NBA initiating a possession, but as a guy in a short role, for example, a guy who can sort of make those secondary reads, I think there were signs of that sort of growing skill set with the ball in his hands and just sort of on the offensive end of the floor in general in his time in the G League this year. So definitely interested to see where he can kind of go. And I think the defense for a guy who's so young is such a floor raiser that I'm really intrigued to see what he can do. Paul Watson's the other guy that I'm pretty intrigued by. I think Watson, you know, it's tough to say, right? He barely played in the NBA this year. He's 26 years old. And frankly, I think most people didn't really know who he was before, you know, (laughs) this season because he was just kind of a floater around the G League and finally got a shot with the Raptors 905 and was very, very good. He had 19 points a game this season, 42% on threes. He was super efficient, um, just under seven boards, around two assists, not the most uh you know exquisite playmaker or anything like that but he wasn't asked to be a playmaker they had Tyler Ennis for that they had sometimes O'Shea Brissett for that and I think you know Watson really kind of took on the finishing role for the for the Raptors 905 and was damn good also a very good defender as well a steal and a block a game and you know at six foot six six foot seven he's a big wing to have and you know this is a team that prides itself on defensive versatility guys who can slide up and down the lineup and this is also a team that kind of has a lack of size in its backcourt. And if you have Watson, who can kind of maybe profile as a big backup two or a backup three, that adds a little bit of beef to your wing core, which you don't really have when you have two six-footers starting for you and you have Norm Powell and Terrence Davis, who are both six-foot-four coming off the bench. You know, I don't want to put 
undue expectations on Paul Watson's shoulders because that's not fair to him. He's someone who has never had a crazy high pedigree. He's not someone who's really been tabbed for a long NBA career. But I think the Raptors' development system works. We saw in the bubble a couple of games where he was able to kind of show out. And I do think he's probably going to be in that sort of Boucher, Rondé, Hollis-Jefferson tier in next year's rotation where maybe he doesn't play every single game, meaningful minutes, but he will probably have stretches where he's trusted because, you know, his shot is hot or his defense is looking particularly strong or he's a good matchup against a bigger team with some size in the backcourt. Um, you know, next season is a lot going to be about sort of figuring out what you have, what your supporting cast might look like if you're able to land a big fish in the summer of 2021. And you could do a lot worse than a guy like Watson being your 10th or 11th guy in a couple years if you need to have some cost-cutting measures. So I think the Raptors would be wise to give Watson some run next season. Um, he'll still be on his two-way contract. I would imagine he's probably the candidate to get flipped to a one-way if that, if that ever comes, if two ways exist. Who knows what the hell the G League season is going to look like. Um, but I think we'll see a lot of Watson next year, a lot more than we saw this year when he was converted to a two-way midway through the year after Shamori Pons was let go. Uh, in terms of the other guy that I'm excited about next season, Dewan Hernandez, maybe this is misplaced excitement. I, I think, you know, there's a very real chance that Dewan Hernandez will end up not being anything in the NBA. He's had two full years, basically, of stunted development between his year not playing in college because the NCAA is a scam, and then last year where he was mostly hurt. He got some run in the G League, not a whole lot. And I'm still maybe stupidly hanging on to some of the flashes we saw in his summer league stint with the Raptors in the summer of 2019. I, I think he has a, like a really nice touch for a big man, and you don't often see that. He looks like he kind of glides out there. I like the way he moves. I like the way his sort of uh, his frame and his agility kind of lend itself to being a good multi-positional defender, a guy who can switch, a guy who can you know hedge up high and do the sort of Marcus All thing where. You know, you never were worried about what style of defense you were playing because he could kind of play them all. Obviously, he's not going to be Marcus Gasol. That's not what I'm saying here. But the speed that he kind of has, the sort of quick footedness, that's a rare thing to have in a guy who's 6'10", 6'11". And he just seems to have a nice touch around the rim as well. He seems like he could be a pretty nice role guy, a guy who can, um, you know, make a play, put the ball on the deck a little bit. You know, it's a lot of sort of wish casting because we've barely seen the dude play. And maybe, again, it's a dumb thing to be holding on to an exciting summer league stint, but I really think that Dewan Hernandez, with some extra run next season, which I hope he gets, like I hope he's in that sort of you know realm where he's getting some actual minutes, kind of like Chris Boucher was this year, where you know he wasn't always in the rotation. It'll be similar, I think, to the Paul Watson role that I expect he'll assume next year. Just you know, there will be times where he's in the good books, time where he's in the doghouse, and I just hope the times that he's in the good books, you know, we can see something on an NBA floor that's not in garbage time from Dewan Hernandez, because you know, you know, we've probably gotten into this pattern of just believing anyone the Raptors pick regardless of whether it's in the first or second round or if it's someone they pick off the scrap heap undrafted we just assume they're going to become good that's probably a misguided thing there are going to be guys who miss there are going to be guys who crash out and just aren't anything but the skills that Hernandez showed in very small doses 
are interesting to me. And I just hope he's healthy. I hope his ankle is is better and he's able to kind of have a full training camp and get ready to go because the, the lack of development time, the lack of on-court time for him with the G League, with the NBA team last year, really kind of stunted his growth after missing an entire year of NCAA basketball. It's not a good way for someone to start out their pro career not playing after not playing. But I think there's something there with Hernandez that I'm at least excited to see and be proven ter- terribly wrong about his you know, potential offensive chops and his touch and his defensive mobility. You know, th- th- I would like to at least have some actual data as to whether or not those beliefs and assumptions are misguided or not. Uh, we're going to move on and get into the back part of the back bench of the roster with uh, Patrick McCaw. Uh, Malcolm Miller and Stanley Johnson in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about Built Go, which is a wonderful new product from our friends over at Built Bar that helps you break through the wall that we all hit at some point during the day. There's always going to be that sort of, uh, you know, one o'clock comes around, maybe you didn't sleep super well the night before, and you're basically hitting a mental or physical wall. Well, Go can help you break through that wall every single day. It's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase, bring it to work. You can put it in your golf bag to power through the back nine if you're out playing around, or you can just put it in your pocket to get through the day. You know, maybe you're going for a workout, you're going for a bike ride, take it before you go and it will help you get through it. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market right now. It's like a five hour energy without the same crash feeling. Plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's basically like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. And you have three delicious flavors to choose from, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. And you may be asking yourself, how does Built Go work so well? Well, Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on the stomach. And Built Go is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work. You got beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. And then it kicks to keep you going strong as well with B6 and B2. 12 vitamins, 10,000% of your daily percentage of those important vitamins. Collagen promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health as well. This stuff literally makes you look and feel better. Visit BuiltGo.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED to get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Today's show is also brought to you by Roman. Look, it's sometimes difficult to talk about erectile dysfunction. It's awkward, embarrassing. You want to brush it off and blame yourself. But Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet, and getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and get a complete online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of e-treatment. One more time, that's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. All right, we'll close this thing out with the three wing players on the back part of the roster that I don't know if Raptors fans are going to be thrilled about their return, but it's going to happen either way, at least in the case of Patrick McCaw and Stanley Johnson. Malcolm Miller seems like he might be at the end of the road with the team. They've never really implemented him the way I think a lot of people have thought he could be implemented. 
He's a fine defender who can shoot some threes. Maybe he doesn't shoot enough when they come to him. Maybe he's not aggressive enough. Maybe he just hasn't gotten the opportunities. You know, he's been kind of all over the place. He's got one start this season in 28 games to go with a couple starts back in the 2017-18 season near the end of the year when he was filling in, I believe, for some injuries. You know, he's he's just uh, he's a bit of a weird guy who, who the Raptors have never really seemed to have properly used and that's a bummer because he seems like a wonderful person and a really good guy to have on your team he's been extremely outspoken and doing a lot of great work for the black lives matter movement and uh, i would recommend you listen to his interview with blake murphy on the raptors reasonableness podcast to hear all about his work there and he seems like a guy that you know if you were around forever i think that'd be totally fine it's just he seems maybe as though He's fallen out of the Raptors' plans a little bit as more sort of intriguing wing prospects like a Paul Watson, for example, have kind of stepped in to take his place. Um, So I I don't really expect Miller to be back next season. He's a restricted free agent right now. They can give him a $2 million qualifying offer. I honestly don't know if they're going to want to invest $2 million in Malcolm Miller for one more year. You know, maybe they bring him back just because he's a certain sort of, you know what you're going to get with him and in this weird, crazy, uncertain season maybe it, it works, but I don't know. It just it seems like maybe he's fallen out of the Raptors' plans to the point that they're just not really all that worried about it anymore, and they'll just let him move on. Um, hope he finds some work somewhere where he can actually get some run, because I think he's actually a pretty nice little player, uh, you know, a bench wing piece that, that can you know play 15 minutes for you. Maybe that's the top end of his ceiling, but that's still certainly helpful. Um, in terms of the other guys, Patrick McCaw, Stanley Johnson, they're both going to be around for next season. Patrick McCaw makes about $4 bucks. He'll be into the second year of his contract. He's like a very easy guy to throw into uh, like trades to sort of match some salary. That requires the other team to, I guess, want him to come back, but maybe it's just a salary dump type thing. Who knows? In terms of Stanley Johnson as well, just to get the contract details out of the way, he is making $3.8 million next year. So very similar, him and Patrick McCaw, both trade-matching ballast if you are a trade machine connoisseur, which I am not, and you know that from listening to this podcast. Uh, We'll start with McCaw. I mean, it was a tough year for McCaw, obviously very, very injured. Started off the season very much... You know, as one of the guys, it seemed like Nick Nurse really trusted, which was a very hallowed ground to be on, considering he only trusted eight guys on the team early on. And for some reason, you know, we all joke about the nudes he probably has of Nick Nurse or whatever it is, but McCaw is in that trusted circle of, of, of people that Nick Nurse likes and, and wants to throw out there when things matter. You know, we disagree with it, obviously, a lot of the time. He played, I think, too many minutes when he was playing. 24 and a half minutes a game for Patrick McCaw. Feels like a lot in the year of our Lord 2020. Uh, 4.6 points a game, 2.3 boards, 2.1 assists, 1.1 steals. And that steals number, and just his defense, I think, is the thing that keeps him out there. Obviously, he's not a talented offensive player, necessarily. He can sort of run an offense. He can kind of... It's not like effective dynamic pick and roll operation or anything like that he's more like I would sort of liken him to the early 2000s breed of point guard where it's like you walk it up get it to your best players and kind of let them go um, you know very similar to like a Derek Fisher type thing with the Lakers if we're looking for sort of comparisons in terms of you know what they do and of course Derek Fisher could shoot threes and whatnot that's not something Patrick McCaw does terribly well although this season he was up to 32 percent and I, there were stretches where he was kind of a lot hotter and was hitting some shots he had that big game in Boston you may recall in the revenge game after Christmas where that was I think his best game of the season he had like 18 points um, for a very, very injured Raptors team that required a lot of minutes from Patrick McCaw. Um, 
but you know the the issues are still there he doesn't look at the basket at all he uh you know doesn't make insanely intelligent like next level reads or anything like that he's a very rudimentary playmaker the reasons he gets play is that he's a pretty good team defender. He can kind of get into the shirt of somebody and he doesn't make a ton of crazy mistakes. He doesn't have like horrid turnovers or anything like that. And if you are in a pinch and you need someone to have the ball in their hands, he's, I guess like the third best option as a point guard on the team behind Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. And that's not a great place to be in if you're a team that needs point guard depth, but you know, he was able to fill in that role semi admirably. Uh, of course, you get to the bubble, he's not able to play, his knee has, has kind of derailed him quite a bit recently, and I don't know what the future is going to look like for him health-wise. Hopefully, the extended time off can help him get right, and maybe he can be a, a little bit con- contributor to the Raptors next season, but I'm not terribly uh, like <sighs> hopeful necessarily. I mean, even if he's a little bit more del- like slowed down by the fact that his knee's been messed up for a couple years that really kind of cuts into any of his utility as a defender or whatever it is. He just, he doesn't offer a ton and I would much rather see those minutes go to a Paul Watson or of course, Terrence Davis, who I think was the biggest victim of Nick Nurse's trust in McCaw this season, at least when McCaw was healthy, because he really did not play a ton in those games where McCaw got a lot of run because they have positional overlap. And I just seemed like Nurse trusted McCaw to do the things he couldn't trust Davis to do, which was basically not jump seven times anytime someone pump fakes. Um, yeah, I think we'll see more Davis next season. I think he's earned it. I think even if McCaw's back and healthy, he will be behind Davis on day one of the depth chart, but that's far from a guarantee, obviously, because we know Nick Nurse loves himself some Patrick McCaw. Someone Nick Nurse does not love himself a lot of is Stanley Johnson, who... Oi, <laughs> not very good until the bubble, of course. If bubble basketball were a thing, maybe uh, Stanley Johnson would be a perennial all-star. He had those fun, very fun games as things didn't matter near the end of there um, in the bubble, I think against OKC, or no, against Denver and against Philly. But for the most part, really tough season for Stanley Johnson. Could not crack the rotation. Was kind of lumped in, I think, with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson to start the year as like these sort of very, very sad replacements for Kawhi Leonard's minutes. And, of course, Rondé and Stanley Johnson started in the same place, getting called out by Nick Nurse for their lack of understanding of their schemes and their lack of effort. Rondé found himself in the rotation eventually and, and worked himself into a good bit player for the team, whereas Johnson, anytime he got any opportunity probably kicked the ball out of bounds on a fast break. It just was really, really rough to watch him this season. I didn't expect much, to be honest. I, I, I wasn't sure before the season that he's an NBA player, and I'm even less sure now that he's an NBA player. I'm actually pretty sure he's not an NBA player, to be frank, and that sucks. But, um, you know, I think he even kind of realizes that he's in a tough kind of way, which we saw manifested in him asking to go to the G League a couple times this season, which it's nice to see a veteran guy who does not have to go to the G League if you're, if you're in over two years in the NBA for him to request to go down. It's good to see that he wanted to get that extra development. It seemed like he was quite good when he played for the 905. He scored a ton um, and, and kind of what you want to see when an NBA level guy goes down to the G League. But back up to the NBA, it just never really clicked. And I don't see it clicking really next year. He just, his defense is not nearly good enough to justify having him out there offensively where he is more than a negative he just the ball comes to him he doesn't really look to pass he usually turns it over or bricks a layup or something like that and it's unfortunate because he seems like a pretty cool guy and I you know I'm a longtime 
Stanley Johnson supporter. He was a guy who back in the draft he was taken, I believe 2015 or whatever it was. It was quite a while ago, but I was like a huge Stanley Johnson fan. I thought he had a chance to be really damn good. I got a really good two-way player. And of course the offense had just never come along and it's a bummer for him. And, you know, I don't know if you could go back and give Bobby Webster and Masai Ujiri some truth serum. I bet they would say they wouldn't want to sign him to a two-year contract worth nearly four million bucks a year. But they did. And, you know, that was their sort of quick thing after Kawhi was let go. Or, sorry, after Kawhi left to the Clippers. And it was like their first instant reaction. Let's just get a wing, I guess, and see what we can do. You know, these things happen. You're going to get these post-type guys, and sometimes they won't work. I think the Raptors should try it with more post-type guys. That's for damn sure. I think Harry Giles is the guy I want to see in sort of the Stanley Johnson vein this season, although I think Giles has shown a lot more than Johnson ever did. He just plays for a, a crap organization that doesn't know how to develop their players or play them when they are good. So, you know, it's interesting. With, with Johnson, maybe he gets some more run ne- next season, but I kind of think, much like McCaw, he's going to be in a far more depressed role even than he was last year. Like, I don't see him getting past O'Shea Brissett or, really, for minutes at the four or getting past Paul Watson for minutes at the three. It just, you know, those guys, I think, are better pretty clearly at this point, and it's a shame for Johnson. It's nice to have him around. He's a good bench dancer and all that stuff, and I look forward to more bench celebrations next year, but... I don't really see Stanley Johnson playing much of a role in next year's team. And with that, I think that'll wrap this up for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, and uh, glad we could rattle off the end of the roster here as we uh, now wrap up our 2019-20 season review series. We have plenty more stuff for you coming up uh, over the next few weeks here. Obviously, the draft is now less than a month away, so we'll dive back into more draft stuff and uh, probably just talk about Xavier Tillman more because he's the only prospect I've ever cared about, and I really want the Raptors to take him at 29 or perhaps trade up to number one to get him. I don't care. Uh, (laughs) I really want Xavier Tillman. So we'll talk more about him, talk more about some other potential fits as well with the Raptors, and obviously we'll keep tabs on the free agency and the Fred Van Vliet situation and apparently Marcus Gasol still being up in the air as well as Serge Ibaka Uh, we'll also have a mailbag episode Thursday we're going to do one with uh, Katie Heindel and Vivek Jacob our two pals probably make that a two-parter so that would come out Thursday and Friday and uh, we'll continue on so thank you so much for tuning in please subscribe to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast same goes for all the other locked on shows you want to support Uh, for example you could go listen to locked on MLB right now as the World Series is going on if you want the team focus perspective locked on Dodgers and locked on Rays have you covered as well a couple great podcasts there that you should go and check out if you are into baseball and that will do it we'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of locked on Raptors Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.